Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number three of the Review Point podcast, coming to you from fanboysanonymous.com. I'm your host, the man who calls the shots over at Fanboys Anonymous, Tony Mango. And with me on the panel tonight, I have another fellow fanboy with me, Gabe Freemuth. Gabe, what's up? Hey, Tony. How's it going? Doing just fine over here. I'm doing a little bit worse now that I saw the target of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, I completely understand. Yeah, so if you have not read the title yet and you are curious about what that target is, first I'm going to tease you and not mention it. I'm going to tell you what Review Point is about for the people that haven't seen the previous two episodes of Review Point. Basically, it's pretty simple. We take a movie or a TV show or whatever the case may be for that episode and we break it down bit by bit, piece by piece, and talk about whether something was a hit or a miss. Uh, back and forth between the different topics. Uh, you know, we might say the music was a hit in this because it was great, it was awesome. Hit basically translates to a good, miss translates to a bad. We don't really have any room for a middle ground there, so that's what kind of makes it fun because you get to a point where you have to gun to your head, pick whether it's a hit or a miss. And our target for this edition, Transformers 4 Age of Extinction. Yeah. Which, uh, the first thing I have to say is... And this is before we get over our overall impressions. Just a quick thing about the title. Um, I did not think of this until the other day when uh, fellow fanboy Jeff Penner was writing up his Weekend Geek post. And he actually had a typo in there. Um, It happens, you know, whatever. I'm not criticizing him for that. But he had Edge of Extinction. And I was just like, man, that sounds like so much better of a title. Yeah. Yeah. It suits better, doesn't it, too? Like, uh, instead of Age of Extinction. You know, what little plot the movie tries to fit in. Yes, I think Age of Extinction, (laughs) Edge of Extinction, rather, does have a nicer ring to it. Plus, you've got the alliteration, which is always fun. Yeah, even Brink of Extinction would have worked better. Age of Extinction was like they came across that Age of Ultron movie that's coming out for Avengers, and they were just like, Age of! Oh, we got to use Age before them. Use the word Age. Right. And now we're going to see a whole bunch of movies that are age of whatever, and we're going to get to a point where it's like age yep. of the revolution, of the rise, of the falling, <laughs> right. of the like, <laughs> terrible. Spare us. Someone spare us. Right. So terrible is the word for the day, and um, yeah. we're going to go through our overall first impressions of the movie. Then we're going to start going through the plot structure, the writing of the movie, break down the characters, talk about different things like the special effects, the action, the music, and any of the other kind of things that we want to bring out there. And then wrap it all up, tell you uh, maybe our opinions changed. Maybe they didn't. You know, uh, people can defend back and forth, and you can end up liking a movie better or hating it more, depending on the case. But I got a feeling we're going to agree on a lot of misses here. So. <laughs> I agree with that. So overall, first impressions, what did you think about the movie? Um, it, it, you know, I have to say, just to set things up a little bit, it had been a while since I'd you know gone to the theater to see a movie. I, it had been... Like, I had seen Spider-Man 2 very late, but that was the last movie I saw in theaters, but that was like a month prior. So I was ready, I was in the mood to go see a movie in the theater just to be basically entertained by film. You know, I tend to enjoy film for film's sake. Um, so I was, yeah, I was expecting something stupid, you know, maybe storyline-wise at least, uh, you know, sort of along the lines of the previous three Transformers movies. And uh, even by those metrics, I was incredibly disappointed by this film. It really is a shame, isn't it? Because I actually, the first Transformers movie, I didn't want to see. Um, I liked Transformers as a kid, and mm-hmm. I was never the biggest fan of them. It was more so I liked the toys than anything else. And the and, concept is fun, too. Yeah, the concept is so cool for a little yeah. kid, because you're just like, 
if you like one thing that turns or... into another thing and has a gun right like yeah. swords and stuff yeah if it didn't have the guns and stuff it would be as interesting because then like you know oh it's a truck okay well i'm not big on trucks so who cares it's if it's a, a robot truck, truck. like proton but, blaster so but a robot truck with a freaking machine gun yeah <laughs> you, you just got me sold on that but um i liked the toys as a kid i watched the animated stuff every once in a while i had one of the animated TV, movies Beast Wars tv show did you ever see any of that beast wars yeah yeah, the, uh, the it's one of the earliest computer animated shows I can remember seeing. But even that, I mean, that's a fun concept. That was Transformers centric. You know, it was all about their own world. Yeah, and if you got into that as a kid, you typically end up wanting to see these movies as adults because I sure. love superhero movies. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even the upcoming Terminator movie, Terminator Two is my favorite movie of all time. And Sure. Uh, sure. Terminator 3 was one of the biggest disappointments of my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I'm very sorry about that. I, I feel yeah. obligated to apologize about that. <laughs> right. I think I everybody associated with the movie should apologize. Like, <laughs> for the rest of their lives. Just yeah. on their deathbed. Like, their uh, final words are like, sorry about Terminator 3. Uh. <laughs> see what uh, Genesis does for everybody. But anyway, Transformers. Right. So, uh when you see movies like that that are based off of uh, targeting towards the kids that are out now mm-hmm. and the more so like teenager or adults that grew up with it as a kid, yeah, that kind of changes your perspective. And being a huge fan of like Spider-Man and everything, that makes me enjoy those movies more. But Transformers was something where I liked it a lot as a kid, but not enough to be a big Transformers kid. Sure. So when the movie first came out and I saw the first trailer... I was just like, what the hell? Like, they're going to do a Transformers movie? That can't be good. I'm not going to bother seeing this. <laughs> and a couple right. friends of mine dragged me to see it, and I walked out of the movie going, fuck, that actually was really good. Like, surprisingly good. I, sure. you know, It's not the best movie of all time, but a hell of a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah, the first one has, I mean, I remember the first time, because I saw Transformers late. I didn't see them in the theaters. I saw the first Transformers movie in its entirety, probably about, I don't know, six, maybe seven months ago. Um, and I remember watching early on in the movie that Scorpion-like Transformer leap out of the the desert sand at the whatever United States military forces there were there and being pretty enthralled by that. And I remember thinking by the end of that film, had that movie just been like Decepticons versus the United States military, it would have been incredible. Mm-hmm. Um but even so, you know, you've got to get the friendlier stuff in there. The, the you know, you've got to get Optimus and the good guys, and you know, they don't kill other trans, other uh, Transformers, and you know, you, you got to try and fit it in there. But you know, my only complaint with the first movie, which yeah, I am, I am entertained by for sure, is kind of how goofy it gets. You know, you spend twenty million dollars on this one shot where Optimus and his fellow Autobots, the heroes of the film, are stepping over hedges. Going, oops, my bad. Right. And it's like, really? You spent, you know, a substantial chunk of your budget on a stupid gag. Now, granted, later films kind of, uh, I, I don't know if improved is the right word, but uh, changed that formula where it became a little more self-serious. But um, I don't know. There, there is a sense of fun that is kind of missing from this film, at least, after especially a certain character uh, is incinerated. I don't know how else to qualify as death. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I liked the first one. The second and the third well the second one I was like, man, they really took a step back with the twins and sure. you know, kind of like uh pulling Human out transformer racist transformers and stuff oh, and yeah. um a lot of the jokes of like people humping each other, like the robot humping uh the the transformer okay. The transformer fans are mad that I said robot, but yeah, sure. 
um, that's the kind of stuff that I was just like, man, that that's a shame. And the third one sort of did the same thing. So I figured with number four here, they had a chance. They realized their mistakes. They probably fixed them. Probably got some passionate oh. writers on board. Apparently, and I didn't notice this until after I saw the movie, and if I would have uh, noticed this ahead of time, I might have thought twice about seeing it in the theaters because that's $23 that I wasted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, the writer on this movie... Aaron Kruger. Yeah, he was the writer for number two and number three, not number one. Interesting. So I was like, damn, if I had figured that out, I would have realized the guy who screwed up the second and third one <laughs> screwed up the fourth one. Because, man, this movie sucked. <laughs> it's in a different kind of way, though. Like, I by the time I'd seen the second one, I was fully prepared for it to be terrible because I'd heard, you know, every possible critic, even, you know, some... Uh, you know, more popular, uh, more rather populous uh, Rotten Tomato critics, kind of like, yeah, you know, I just go to see it for the action. I was expecting it to be absolutely terrible. And so I was somewhat pleasantly surprised when it wasn't as shitty as I thought it, would, it was going to be. <laughs> this movie, uh, this current movie, Age of Extinction, is shittier than I thought uh, Revenge of the Fallen was going to be. I mean, it is, I, I completely agree with you, Tony, absolutely terrible. It, it fails almost across the board at being a film. It really is just unbearable, almost. Yeah. I, I um, midway through the movie, the I think it was like the second big action sequence, um, the one where uh, God, I, mean, I can't even remember like some of the character names. Uh, where Mark, Mark Wahlberg, Optimus from the farm. Um, no, not that one. Um, but the the biggest one that comes after that, the one where they get the gun. I think it like right around that. No, actually. Oh, okay. When they're yeah, when they're on board the ship. It might be that one. I'm not even I'm losing track of the hell terrible this movie was. The bad yeah. scene before the it bad one or before the other bad one. Like, whatever the second biggest action scene was, by the time that was over, I was just like, okay, the movie's done. And then it was like, oh, there's like a, a fucking hour left or something. Well, even though, I mean, a lot of people come to see these Michael Bay um, productions because of the typically quality level of action they expect to receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm... A big fan of, you know, I kind of hate to admit this at this point, but uh, The Rock and Pain and Gain even, you know, I think those are two pretty quality Michael Bay films um, where, you know, the story makes sense or he tapped into something that made things work. But this one, I think even the action is more or less incomprehensible. I mean, I, I have trouble determining what characters are in what space and time. It seems like there's no attention paid to any semblance of either filmmaking language or editing technique. I mean, it's just like someone, a character appears here because, sure, we need a badass shot of some visual effects. We need to see Bumblebee machine gunning his counterpart, whatever his name was, Stryker or something. Stinger. Stinger. At that point, yeah. One of the few names that I can remember from this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, so plot structure-wise, if we can call it that. Um, yeah, there was one. <laughs> there's a lot of flaws. I mean, we're going to break down all these flaws uh, back and forth. Um I have a series of notes here. I'm going to bounce around, I'm sure. But the first note that I have is overcomplicated. And that's Absolutely. not something that I usually complain about when it comes to movies. Because I like a long movie. And I like something that's got a lot of weaves and uh, twists and turns and everything like that. But this yeah. one just seemed like they threw a bunch of plot points out there for the sake of trying to make it seem like it was better. Yeah, I didn't get a sense of interconnectedness between the scenes in this movie. I feel like each one was kind of like, okay, here's another thing that we have to worry about like here's another plot point because this is a long-ass movie 
and we need to throw more things at the audience. Yeah, here, like if here, now we're talking about Transformium. Now we're talking about uh, the Transformers made for the U.S. military. Now we're talking about these quote-unquote knights that are on board a uh, lockdown ship for some reason. Yeah, like those the knight things. Yeah. What in the hell are the knights? I don't know. All of a sudden, they just started talking about knights. They don't even name Grimlock, who is a huge part of the marketing, as I recall. Yeah, there's no uh, reference to the fact that they are Dinobots. They never yeah. call them that in the movie, as far as I can remember. Like, they are dinosaurs, and I suppose they are bots, in as much as they are Transformers. So, yeah, sure, Dinobots. But yeah, you're right, they're never identified, they're never individually... I think one uh, at one point, the John Goodman robot Hound calls one of them Spike... But I don't know if that's a nickname because of the nature of that character or if it is actually the Transformers name. It might be the actual name, but then again, you never know when it comes to these. I mean, why would an alien call himself Sideswipe and stuff? Especially if they're 65 million years old. I mean, why would they even use English? Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a little nitpicky, but that occurred to me at one point. Like, why would this thing call itself Spike or Grimlock when it was based off not a, like you know a car design but a dinosaur design? And they start this movie off with the idea of the Dinobots, and they discover the, uh, I guess you could call it, like, metal fossil of... The Transformium. Yeah, and then, literally, they don't come back to that until three-quarters of the way through the movie. Yeah. So, you drop all uh, semblance of a plot from the opening scene until later on where they can bring it back, and then it all becomes, why? Now, the Transformium thing... Okay, if you want to try to make up an, a plot idea where somebody came, whoever it was, because they don't establish who it was in the movie. I don't know if that's them uh, attempting to make it to where we go see Transformer 5 because of this great <laughs> mystery, because that's not going to do it. Yeah, great. Or mystery. if they just dropped the plot point because they were just like, oh, we got enough. Um, we have 165 minutes to fill. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> and we need to get two more action sequences in here, so yeah. screw the plots. But the idea of the transformium thing and, you know, you can turn biological life into uh, the metal of the Transformers or whatever, okay, I'd buy that. Sure, In this I kind of universe, it sure. makes sense. Yeah. And that could have been an interesting plot because they could have made an entire movie of humans wanting to become Transformers. There was no focus, though. That was the thing. Like, it was, just, it was literally just a MacGuffin. People were worried about it, not – and only at the end for what it could possibly do. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, only at the end did they did they start talking about, oh yeah, if they detonate this in a city, it could you know kill millions of people. Sure, that's fine, but I mean, you don't talk about that. I mean, you don't mention the seed even until two thirds of the way through the movie, I feel like, and then you mention what it can do during the climax. There's no way to build up any sort of tension at that point. Right. You know, I mean, we just we you know, we understand that Mark Wahlberg's gonna come out of this unscathed. His daughter and boyfriend are going to come out of this unscathed the bad guy is going to be destroyed to some degree and megatron will you know still hang out there and yeah he'll be back for the sequel (laughs) you know and i don't mind that ending it's just that that was by that point by that point in the movie in this long movie it was kind of the last straw like it was the last thing to keep keep track of and i couldn't even be bothered to feel like okay yeah this has some bearing on how i'm supposed to feel about the climax right now uh, one other thing about the overcomplication about it and all those kind of plot points is I got the feeling that they tried too hard to be dark. I agree. Like, they took the criticism before of the other movies being too uh, too comedic, and they were like, oh, you, okay, well, we're going to throw some stupid jokes in there, but to make up for it, we're going to have people burned to death and uh, yeah. 
You know, like it was being a little like. Yeah, apparently dark to Michael Bay and Lorenzo de Bonaventura means we're going to have John Goodman's uh, robot hound, you know, swear every other line and start capping fellow robots in the head. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it got kind of violent by the end, you know. Like, John Go- the John Goodman robot killed that alien life form on lockdown ship for no reason other than it slimed on his face. And it could have been, like, this rare specimen, the last of its kind. Yeah, you never like know. I, I feel like that's just... You know, you know kids are going to come away with being like, oh, yeah, that hound character was so badass because he killed that unique species of life form that was in, a, you know, the galactic zoo on lockdown ship. Right. Be like, oh, that dog just did something to me. I'm going to go shoot it like hound did. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he's like, you know, shut up, bitch, or whatever, right. you know, whatever it is, you know, some pithy quote. And another thing about trying to keep it, like, dark and switching it up and all that – uh, that I was just like, I don't want to see this. It was like Transformers and stealth mode throughout the movie. Like, they didn't have these, uh, this sense of, like, heroism. It was like the, a yeah. couple of them hanging out and fighting against the odds. And They kind of succumbed to the idea. I mean, even Optimus, you know, part of his, you know, if you can call it a character arc, part of his thing is to realize that, or in this movie at least, apparently, that sometimes... You'd have to kill. Like, that's what he seems to acknowledge in this film, that Optimus is willing to, you know, get this new sword and start stabbing robots through the AllSpark. And if you want to go ahead and have him kill some people in the movies, okay, that's fine. But mm-hmm. you don't need to have, like, the, uh, I don't know, like, the Suicide Squad version of Transformers, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And be like, okay, Bumblebee, you're playing Captain Boomerang here, and uh, Optimus, <laughs> you're Deadshot, and Amanda Waller is uh, Kelsey Grammer, and all. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. There's one other that's thing that I had written down thing. when it comes to the plot that I just specifically there's one quote in the movie that made me just go, you know what? I give up on this fucking movie. That's at the very end. Um, I can't remember her name, the girl's name. Uh, Tess or something? I yeah, to, I, um, I think I have my notes here. Tessa. It is Tessa? Okay. Yeah. She says one of the stupidest lines I have heard anybody say in any of these movies, and that's including stupid jokes from the parents, who actually liked the parents in the first three movies. I thought that they were pretty endearing characters, but it's worse than anything that Megan Fox says. Nothing compares to this. I'm sure I've forgotten it. What is it? Mark Wahlberg says... Let's go home, honey. And she responds with, we don't have a home. It blew up. Just to test that I wasn't like looking at this through too cynical of a scope, I said to my mom, who doesn't watch any of these movies, that there was this terrible line in the movie and whatever, and that this girl in the movie says, we don't have a home. It blew up. And she goes, well, what's wrong with that? And I start explaining it, and she goes, oh, she's like 17 in the movie? I thought that this was like a five-year-old saying this line. (laughs) So how do you write a line like this? You couldn't have said something like, you know, um, let's go home, honey. And she says something like, but, Dad, we don't have a home anywhere. Uh, Or, I mean, not anywhere, um, anymore. No, even that's a better line. Right. Or, like, like, no, Dad, it blew up. Yeah. Don't you remember, Dad? House go boom boom. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's funny you, you mentioned that because I have a similar experience. There was at one point, I mean, I have to give some props to Stanley Tucci 
because he is so good, I think he um, elevates any scene he's in just because he's an excellent actor. I mean, even though he's given a terrible script, just by the nature of you know his talent, he makes those scenes better. But it's the one point when he's yelling at his staff for not making the uh, Galvatron robots or Stinger robots work, those Transformers. Like, they're not responding as they should be. And he starts slapping, you know, the whiteboard behind him that has all these complicated mathematical equations on it. And he yells, algorithms! And then he takes a beat and he yells, math! (laughs) And later on in the film, he does something similar and he yells, science! And it's like the script is yelling at the audience that these things are supposed to work. You know, transformium works because of science. Transformium works because of math. Just, you know, it's like saying that Tony Stark's uh, arc reactor, you know, the one that supposedly powers an electromagnet that keeps the shrapnel from reaching his heart and, you know, shredding it into pieces. It's like saying that works because of reasons. Right. You know, like that's kind of like, it's, it's interesting and it's, it's a plot point worth developing to explain how humans have been able to uh, develop transformers on their own terms. Even if you have to use, a stupid element by the name of Transformium, which, by the way, is almost as terrible as Unobtainium. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, these are things worth talking about. These are things that make science fiction interesting. It's not just, uh, it, which, you know, I would argue Transformers is a science fiction story in a lot of ways, right. uh, especially the way they've made it, with Transformers being effectively aliens. You know, you want to know how these things work so you can stop worrying about it and then turn your brain off. You need a justification first. I feel like before you can turn your brain off and accept the action scenes, at least a better justification than just like equations. Yeah. And algorithms, <laughs> math, work, money, you get paid. Yeah, exactly. You do job, you get money. It's just, it's just the worst kind of storytelling laziness. So do you have any other um, notes that are just generalized plot kind of structure things that we can talk about before we start breaking down the characters and then kind of, you know, piggybacking off of that with plot? I mean, it's tough. I mean, I, I would say, again, I, I, meant, I may have mentioned this earlier, but this film, I think, even does away with any semblance of traditional filmmaking language. You know, I mean, there were times when I wasn't certain how a car or a character got from this position to the next position in the very next edit. You know, I mean, I know Michael Bay movies move quickly, but I've seen him make, you know, I've watched other Michael Bay movies, and even those had a better um, grammar, filmmaking-wise, you know, how, you know, shots relate to each other or whatnot than this one did. I mean, it, it's, it was almost like he was dared to make the shittiest movie he could that would still make all the money in the world. And if he was, in fact, dared that, he succeeded. <laughs> Isn't that a shame, like, and then this movie makes so much money, and... You got these like struggling independent people that really know how to make films, and they get jack shit because, yeah. you know. How much did the Grand Budapest Hotel make? And this thing made three hundred million dollars and over the weekend. Right. <laughs> and I mean, I do like I. I'll say this right now, just because a lot of people are gonna assume that this is uh the point of Michael view. They hate fest. Right. I yeah. think Michael Bay gets so much worse of a reputation that he deserves. Sure, I agree with that. The Island, I think, is a, a freaking amazing movie. The it's Island is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The Rock is one of my favorite action movies of all time. I thought Pain and Gain was actually a, a really fun movie as well. I haven't checked those two out, but I've heard good things about them. The Rock, and, I have a soft spot for Sean Connery, but it's also a great Nicolas Cage performance as well. Which Nicolas Cage is totally hit or miss, but even with the misses are... Uh, 
total hits because they're yeah, just so ridiculous. Um, so, it, uh, The Island is one of my favorite movies of all time. Again, it's not you know an Oscar-winning movie or something like that, but it, it shows that Michael Bay is more than just the typical joke of explosions yeah. and stuff. But, yes. but man, this movie, I can't defend this at all. And I can uh, with when we start breaking down the characters in a second, that's going to get worse and worse. Cause, I mean, yeah, go to town, man, because... I... <sighs> I mean, I was expecting Michael, you know, the characters in this movie to more or less be one note in the first place, you know, to have bare motivations, bare, you know, emotional needs, whatever, in service of hopefully, you know, the grandiose and larger action in over the course of the film. But that, again, even that wasn't good enough to justify the sketchy ass characters we were given in this film. Yeah, I miss Shia LaBeouf and uh, I don't know about that. Josh Duhamel. Duham- <laughs> Josh Duhamel, I'll miss. Yeah. I liked his character a lot in the movie. I actually would have been sure. fine if they would have made him the main character of this and just kept that going. Sure. Yeah, I actually think that would have been interesting. I was wondering if that was going to be the case because I knew very little about this when I sat down in the theater ready to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering, yeah, if Josh Duhamel, because I, you know, I had seen at least the first two. I can't remember. I've seen pieces of the third, but not all of it all the way through. But I was wondering if you know he was going to be the one to sort of carry the story outside of, or if they were going to use him as connective tissue rather uh, because I knew Mark Wahlberg is sort of the new face of this franchise, what is hopefully going to be for Michael Bay and, again, uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura, a new trilogy. Um, but, yeah, no Josh Duhamel. That was disappointing. Now, the Shia LaBeouf thing, uh, I don't know um, if I would have actually put him in the movie because of the way that he's been acting lately and stuff, but just in the first three movies, at least he was somebody who could kind of see, develop some personality traits. Yeah, and sure. nobody in this movie was endearing at all. Yeah, I, I can't tell you anything about any of these characters. They have no character traits. I mean, the most entertaining character, you know, the uh, I don't know what it was, the brother-in-law or the the friend. Yeah, the the surfer bro kind of guy. Yeah, T.J. Miller's character. Who yeah, they killed him the, off within Lucas. the first twenty-eight minutes of the film. You know, maybe the first thirty-five minutes, something like that. You know, yeah. you know, he was the only one who seemed like he was having fun with stuff. Yeah. Now Mark Mark Wahlberg is definitely in self-serious mode for this movie, probably because Michael Bay told him to be. Um, and yeah, the the actress playing Tessa, whose name I'm forgetting, is also fine, and the Jack Rayner character is fine. But it's it's almost like watching the characters in the Star in the the new Star Wars trilogy. You know, they are saying words, but it's not like they actually know what they mean. <laughs> they should get the same person who wrote the lines from Stanley Tucci, and they could just be words, <laughs> action scenes, anger. <laughs> exactly. So the main character of this movie, Cade Yeager. <sighs> Give me a break with a fucking name. Yep. They, like, some dude's writing this script, and he's like, <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what to name my character. Can you have me a beer? Which one? <laughs> Give me a Jaeger. Dude, how about Jaeger? Yeah, we'll get a case of Jaeger. No, not a case of Jaeger. Cade Jaeger. <laughs> Terrible name. Oh. And he's just generic action hero guy. Yep. I'm supposed to believe that he's an inventor? Yeah, that is a bit of a stretch. I mean, at that point in the movie, I was still willing to give it the benefit of the doubt, but that was because it was still within the first 40 minutes of it, and I didn't realize, you know, before I realized how long it was going to stretch itself out. And he was a failed inventor, so very <laughs> least he, as failed as failed can be. Right. At least he could justify it by like, well, he's not a good one. Yeah. So of course he knows how to use alien technology by the midpoint of the movie. Immediately picks it up and it's just like, how do I do this? Oh, here's how I do it. I'll just go save the day. 
but um, he finds a dusty old truck in an abandoned theater, like a, a, a stage theater for some reason. Yeah, no, and the guy's like, "What truck or whatever? The truck you parked here? Yeah, that you drove through the theater." I mean, it's effectively the same kind of plot point that you know Bumblebee occurred by in the first Transformers movie. That oh, hey, I found this used car, so here you go, have it. Yeah, like it happens to be a Transformer. Imagine the paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> like that right there cuts the whole movie out. <laughs> okay, well, how do you sign over the insurance forms and stuff like that? Oh, I can't because this isn't my car. Okay, well, you you just lost your practice, and the kid doesn't have a car anymore. And, and so, yeah, then the Kate Yeager character is, um, who is Mark Wahlberg, is pursued by this special ops team that goes by the code name Cemetery Wind, which really sounds like it's trying too hard. <laughs> it's like some username for some emo kid writing yeah. poetry. Yeah, I mean, Cemetery somebody Wind, really wants so their dark. night elf to be taken seriously on World of Warcraft. <laughs> So they name it Cemetery Win, which itself sounds like it was a Wu-Tang Clan rap name generator. Some DLC map for World yeah. of Warcraft Cemetery Win. So yeah, Cemetery Wind, and that's Titus Welliver. That's the, uh, I think that's the actor's name, who uh, heads the... that thing. And who be, you know, he's a, a main Angry. antagonist, kind of like the Pale Orc in the Hobbit <laughs> movies. He's like, you know, the guy that Mark Wahlberg has to fight by the end. Angry military generic dude who lost his sister, which okay, that's yeah. okay, an okay sure. plot. Yeah, I can accept you know, that. You have this big war going on in Chicago. A lot of people die. Okay, and uh, sure. angry military guy lost his sister, so he's going to be furious. He's going to be it. angry military guy. I'll buy into that, no problem whatsoever. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'll buy into the idea that people are anti-Autobot because sure. of this, because that happens. I mean, we've got people in wars that are fighting for america and just because they're of a certain race people are against them and stuff you know you could be middle eastern and have lived in america your entire life but because we have some kind of an uh, iraqi war apparently you're the enemy or whatever so that happens i'll buy that too well and despite all that despite our you know and especially their caution in uh looking after autobot or any transformer activity the climax of the movie still sees I get what is it Beijing or Hong Kong by the end? Um, I don't think that. I think that they kind of just sort of went. It's Asian town. And yeah, I like, mean either way, it just gets shredded. Right. By not only you know the main Autobot Transformers who are trying to defend the city, but also the fifty some odd uh, Transformers that the milit that the you know Stanley Tucci under the guise of military funding created that are being controlled by Galvatron, who spoiler alert is Megatron reincarnated so we got kd Edgar here generic action hero guy with no real pulse behind him sure um his daughter tessa who is apparently speaks like a five-year-old and ill bait for this movie <laughs> attractive girl give her that kind of credit too but that's not something that's going to make me like the movie if i wanted to look at a hot chick i'd just type on any website million websites that are on the internet uh or you know look at my girlfriend or something sure. so if that was the big thing of we need a hot chick too you got the hot chick but you didn't get an actress and you didn't get a character yeah and then her boyfriend, Shane. So we have Shane and Cade. I'm surprised we don't have uh, Jaden and Caden and Hayden. And, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know. Sounds way too close. And why has he got an accent? Because he's from Ireland for reasons. 
they're just like we won an Ireland uh, kind of map going on here. And another thing that pisses me off about his character, his intro scene is him being a badass. Yeah. And then well, for the entire rest of the movie, he's a pussy. Well, yeah, because he can't overtake the total badassery of Cade Yeager. It really <laughs> bothered me when he um, – there's a point when they are on lockdown, the sort of main antagonist, the main Transformer antagonist ship. Uh, Cade and – what was his name? Shane. Shane, yeah. Are infiltrating it to try and get uh, the daughter, Cade's daughter, off the ship who was accidentally taken hostage. And he has this big Transformer laser gun, and Mark Wahlberg's counting on, okay, we're going to attack him in three, two, and then Jack, or, uh, um, Shane, Jack Rayner, throws his gun away and shrieks out, I surrender! I surrender! It's like, you're only doing this to make Wal- Mark Wahlberg look more impressive. You're right. not giving it, this character a chance to do anything. You're, you're wasting this potentially strong moment for a, for a joke, for a gag. Mm-hmm. And I could be fine with the idea that if, all right, it, you know, suspension of disbelief, this Katie Egger guy is some kind of a great inventor and sure. he might be able to figure out the weapon and this Shane guy can't. Okay. So why not have him go, all right, we're going to attack in three, two, one. And the guy goes, wait a minute, I don't know how to use this. And then he starts attacking and he's like, ah, crap, what do I do? He still could have gotten a guy out of it you without him looking like a complete like idiot. That's something they could share. Yeah. Instead of, yeah, just making the guy out to be totally ineffective. Yeah, that was a real disappointment. So you ended up having both the uh, the daughter and her boyfriend are complete idiots that are useless throughout this entire movie. Yep. They're just there to almost yep, get that killed. She could be his navigator, apparently. Yeah, that's a real, like, uh, you know, they really spent a lot of time dealing with that, too. I can't believe that they had done this, because they could have just had Mark Wahlberg. If you wanted Mark Wahlberg that bad, he could have been a single guy living by himself and that's it. He didn't need to have the whole, uh, sure. my hot daughter is doing whatever. And You're trying to hit all of the demographics possible, I guess. Like, you know what part cracked me up also is when Mark Wahlberg's telling her about, you know, how I was your age, I was in high school and your mom and I got pregnant and they cut to that insert of the photograph of Kate Yeager and his wife holding, you know, with a baby between them. And Mark Wahlberg looked exactly the same <laughs> in that photograph when he was a, supposedly a senior in high school right. as he does right now when he's been inventing these awful robots that don't work. He had, like, slightly he, shorter like, hair. He could have shaved, Marky Mark. Right. <laughs> you couldn't have taken a picture of him in high school and yep. photoshopped it? You can build Philip Seymour Hoffman now that he's dead <laughs> and put him in the, you know, Mockingjay Part 2 and you can't photoshop a still picture. Yeah, I mean the you know you're talking about the characters in this movie, they are the barest sketches of you know needs or whatever it is that you might need to uh, have a character arc, you know, the barest sense of that. And the Transformers, forget about it. No sense of character to them at all. Oh, uh, before we get into the Transformers too because there's a lot about that, uh, one other thing that I was thinking about throughout the movie it annoyed me because it was just so unnecessary with um, Shane and Tessa. Mm. Did they really need to make a whole, like, statutory rape thing <laughs> going on? Well, they explain it. You know, that's why they have that whole scene about the Romeo and Juliet laws. 
so people won't call them out for it. Right. Like, you know, couldn't they could have avoided the whole thing if you just made her nineteen. Right. Like she could have been you know, like she just turned eighteen and you can still have like the, you know, maybe she needs to stay in college instead of get into college. You know, maybe they need additional financial aid to keep her in her classes and in her school rather than, you know, send her there in the first place. You know, it's not that big. It's not even that different a character thing. No, she could have, that could have actually even been one of the reasons why she defies his, uh, parenting. She could have been like, I'm 18 now. I don't have to listen to you. Yeah. But no, instead it's like, you realize she's 17 and he's just kind of like, it's cool, dude. (laughs) Because of, again, reasons. It's almost like the people working on this movie were like, Let's put out a little uh, propaganda that it's okay, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. To, that's the the law. That's you know, that's uh, how it goes. Well, but sure at the same time, most, you know, the eighteen and or the seventeen and under set that are going to see this movie or that have already seen this movie. Right. And it just seems like they added that in there because they wanted to add that in there, not that it just happened. Yeah. Because he could have been eighteen, and just a hot shot, driving uh, his car. He got lucky and. Got this kind of endorsement deal or whatever the hell that they talked about, it, then abandoned it. Could have been any number of things, but it was what it was, and what it was was terrible. Yeah, that was just atrocious. And um, we had a couple other characters that were a part of the human side. We already talked about generic angry military guy. Yep, Titus Welver. Um, we've got Lucas T.J. Miller, who is uh, comic relief, and then boom, a skeleton. Yeah. That was pretty brutal. I'll give them that. Yeah, I mean, I it was sad to see him go just because he was the only thing that had made the movie, you know, smile-worthy up until that point. Pretty much the best part of the movie was when he hits himself with the, uh... Or, wait, does he? I don't even remember if he hits himself now. With the football. Or when yeah, he gets hit with the football. Yeah, he throws the, the ball and it, like, ricochets off the... Yeah, that was, like, the best part of the movie. That was the first, like, ten minutes. Uh, we also have um, Stanley Tucci, who we, we were talking about earlier. Probably my favorite character. Sure, and that yeah, I think that has as much to do with Stanley Tucci's ability as how the character is written. Probably more to do with Stanley Tucci's ability than how the character is written. Yeah, if that was just a random person, they wouldn't have brought anything to it, I'm sure. But we also have Kelsey Grammer as uh, you know, clandestine evil CIA head or something like that. <laughs> Angry guy who uh, did a lot of work and is mad that he's not a billionaire or whatever yeah basically so, so fuck transformers yep because <laughs> why not um yeah that's effectively how that went we've got the blonde explorer chick who was totally useless and i don't even know if they said her name in the movie i'm trying to remember i know she was um in underworld and tristan any souls i'm trying to remember the actress's name it's just she's escaping me right now sophie something yeah sophie something i want to say sophie miles Yep, that's it. Sophia Miles? Sophia Miles. Okay, it. yeah. Um, yeah, she's like the, the opening of the whole movie and then doesn't show up until the end. And when she shows up at the end, it's yeah, just kind of like, what? Yeah, then she in favor of, the, uh, of um, Bing Bing, La- Bing, Bing, Lee. Bing, Bing, uh, Bing, 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 Lee. I hate to make fun of other cultures and stuff, but every time I say that, I have to laugh. Well, I mean, her, you know, you have to maybe chuckle about it. Bing, <laughs> You're right, just... But... Bing Bing Lee sounds like it should be one of the other Transformers or something. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, you know, I, I don't have much to say about Bing Bing Lee, do you? No, not at all. She was fine. She was perfectly fine. Yeah, she was just, you know, background kind of person or whatever. She's the, the Tyrese uh, part <laughs> of the movie. Just another person. To... I, I may have a, a bit of a problem with the Asian 
gentleman that helped beat up oh, yeah. the assailants when Bing Bing Lee was uh, was occupied fighting other dudes. It was like she was getting beaten up by this larger guy and this guy that Stanley Tucci had been quipping to during the scene, who doesn't even speak English, because he was Asian, seemed to know martial arts and came out to Bing Bing Lee's aid and beat the snot out of this guy and then just walked away. Yeah, like what's he fucking Ryu or something? Like, yeah, who knows? I, I don't know. Maybe he was Tony supposed to be Tony Ja and he was unavailable <laughs> because he was shooting Ong Bak Tu or the Protector Two, whatever it is. But yeah, I mean talk about random. That was so odd. And I actually would have been fine with them following that character in the rest of the movie because he seemed more <laughs> interesting too. But then we have the Autobots and That's what we do. Uh, I can't tell any of them apart outside of the color. Yeah. But I can tell that they really just took that level of um, ridiculousness with the first movie where they had Jazz and he was like a jive talking, you know, what's up, fool, and all that. And everybody made fun of it. And then it got worse in the second one with the twins. And then the third one, they seemed like they kind of balanced it out and they didn't have as much of that going on. This one, it was like Japanese Autobot, let's get Ken Watanabe. Fat Autobot. Let's get John Goodman. Yeah. Like, give me a break, man. That's the fan cast kind of thing that you'd see on, I don't know, comicbookmovie.com or something like that. Throw out a uh, reference to one of the people that um, I write for. <laughs> I am kind of disappointed that Ken Watanabe was a Transformer in this movie because I mean, he just seems better than that. But uh, perhaps I was wrong. <laughs> like, midway through, I'm sitting to myself thinking... Sounds a lot like Ken. Like Ra's al Ghul there. Yeah, I'm kind of expecting him to say uh, Gotham is beyond saving or, <laughs> you know, um, I'm Look, still dreaming or something out of Inception. But I'm not sure, and uh, if I bring this up and it's not him, I'm going to seem racist. So I'll just kind of, okay. And then I'm thinking to myself, that sounds a lot like John Goodman. But now I'm thinking... Who's the one that tripped me up more? Like... Is this John DiMaggio? Because he has a really good John Goodman yes, kind of voice. Which I think he's actually one of the other ones in the movie. I wouldn't put it past him. He's got quite a career. Right. They should have Billy West do one. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking that it's those two. And then finally, when it gets to the end of the movie and I can see the credits and it was just like, oh, okay, then they actually are. Like, they didn't try at all. Even as you get to it, though, I mean, is there an antagonist in this movie? Because I guess it's Kelsey Grammer, but, you know, Stanley Tucci turns around, you know, he turns a new leaf by the end. Galvatron is kind of barely in the climax because he's not the focus of the action. It's all of the other uh, Transformers that Stanley Tucci made through KSI. Holdings are the ones who are fighting them. I guess uh, it's Lockdown plus Kelsey Grammer. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess those are the two people they're fighting at the end. Because Galvatron was pointless. Yeah, absolutely. You know, even at the end, he shows up after all his, like, bots are dead and he goes, you know, he snarls and he's like, you haven't seen the last of me, Optimus Prime. And then he walks out of the shot and that's it. That's the last you've seen of Galvatron slash Megatron. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he died in the first one. He got beat to shit in the second one. Yep. He died in the third one. <laughs> and here he is again. I like Megatron, so it's okay that they brought him back. And I know... A little bit about Galvatron ahead of time that he was um, a reincarnation sort of of Megatron. So I thought that, that was cool, but uh, 
you know, you bring him in here, and Galvatron has, like, no fights, really. He has the one fight, and then he yeah. kind of just walks away. And Yeah, he kind of just delegates his fights to his minions, otherwise. Yeah. So that was disappointing, because I was expecting to see more Galvatron. Yeah. And um, Lockdown would have been cool if the whole movie didn't suck around him. Like, if they had a better movie to support the character, that could have been cool. A bounty hunter yeah, kind of thing. Which, why not just do that? They could have made this movie a lot simpler and not bothered with the Transformium element if they could have just made it after Chicago. Everybody's got this anti-Autobot thing going on. So the government's going after them. Uh, with the help of this bounty hunter Transformer. Yeah, you know, they think yeah. that they can trust this one Decepticon kind of a guy. And yeah, yeah. I thought... Uh, all the people from Nest before, like, uh, Josh Dumal's character and all that, they could have been the good military people going yeah, against like a them. secret service for the Transformers that are left. Yeah, there you go. There's a better movie immediately. We just uh, did it. <laughs> that, that would have been something I would be interested to watch, is how the military is either trying to keep their use of the Autobots quiet or just trying to keep their existence, like, sort of like the Incredibles. How, you know, they try and keep those heroes quiet. They try and keep their existence muted. Um, that would, again, be interesting, especially if there was, you know, they were trying to protect it and they have no choice. But, you know, as soon as I th- think I'm out, they pull me back in, kind of a Godfather right. element. Actually, I think Godfather 3 is better than this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, no question. I, there are most, most movies are better than this movie, Right. I would hazard to say. So... You know, you get all these characters locked down and, uh, you know, the Stinger and these other kind of random ones. Yep. Can't tell any of them apart outside of – you've got outside Optimus Prime, Robots. Bumblebee, and then a Dinobot. Not called Dinobot. Yep. <laughs> so that was a huge disappointment. And another thing that really bothered me about this movie when it comes to the characters, one of the main plot points is the idea of a soul. Sure. And none of these characters have souls. <laughs> I'm supposed to care about Tessa? She's a bitch. And she's stupid. And there's no yeah. reason for me to get worried when she's dangling on cables. If she died... Well, it just isn't like she... I don't. She wants to be free and go to college, but she also likes the relationship he has, she has with her dad. So, like, her arc is to find a middle ground, I guess. But she doesn't. She kind of chooses her boyfriend by the end, and her dad's left by the wayside. Right, her dad's just kind of like, well... Their relationship's just like, yeah, I'm going to ignore you in favor of Shane. Sorry, Kate Yeager. (laughs) Tessa Yeager. God, what an ugly name, too. Yeah. So these characters are just pointless, and I would have rather had seen a spin-off movie that has no Transformers in it that deals with Sam Witwicky's mom and dad going on a road trip (laughs) than to watch any of these people deal with any of the Transformers. Yep. And when you end the movie, you end with Optimus Prime, one of the only characters that has actual character development in the movie, and he leaves Earth. Yeah, where the hell did he get rockets, by the way? Yeah, if he had rockets like, at all fucking time, then... Like, rocket boosters? Because the ability to fly would have been pretty helpful earlier on, and at almost any point during this film. Or any of the other movies. Yes. <laughs> like, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, I've remembered that I have rockets in my ankles. I'm going to fly now. And I'm waiting, as a huge Simpsons fan, I'm waiting for all of the memes that are going to come out of Optimus Prime with uh, the Poochie thing. I'm sorry, I have to go home now to my home planet. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. So, terrible characters, terrible plot to try to work with the characters, got nowhere. And uh, if you get rid of character and you get rid of plot, the only thing you're left with are the other things that are supposed to support it. The special effects, the music, the action sequences, and all that. What did you think about the action and the special effects throughout this movie? Well, and that's... This is the frustrating thing about these particular Michael Bay movies, the Transformers movies in particular, is by their very nature, they almost always have reliably excellent special effects, regardless of how they're used to tell the story, which, again, I will say is pretty terrible. The effects themselves, especially the um, almost kind of, you know, if you've seen X-Men Days of Future Past, the Sentinel-like sort of assembly of the Transformium man-made Transformers is really impressive. I mean, they're really, it's very lifelike, it's very real, you know, it it looks real. But the way, again, the shots are all put together, the way the film is assembled ruins their usage. You know, they're, again, just any notion of filmmaking language is tossed out the window. It, it makes no sense, it's incomprehensible, and although it's pretty to look at it, from a visual effects standpoint, it doesn't serve the overall story. And I saw this in 3D, did you? No, I did not. You saw the same movie that I did, basically. Yeah, I did, but not in uh, not in 3D. I just saw it in, in the standard 2D. Yeah, I mean, there was not really much 3D going on throughout the movie that impressed me. That was actually a waste of money, as far as I'm concerned. I'm which sorry. has actually been happening a lot in a lot of movies that I've been seeing lately. Well, yeah, I mean, 3D often is a waste of money. I mean, it depends on a number of factors, but... Especially because so many theaters these days are fake IMAX instead of real IMAX. Mm-hmm. If uh, I would have had a better time period to see this movie, yeah, I probably would have gone to just the standard one because um, this 3D... Uh, I'm not the, the type of person who frowns upon 3D, nor am I the person who goes to see all the movies like that because the 3D itself is what's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'll go see it if I think that that's something that they wanted to make a big point in the movie. But this one, just, it's not necessary. And um, that's a shame, too, because, like you said, I mean, the special effects are good, but I can't see what's going on. Yeah. And it's nothing impressive that we haven't seen before. On the score you mentioned, also, I mean, I I have no... It's Steve, Le, Steve Jablonski, again, I, I believe, who had also done the previous three movies... And I like his basic Transformer theme that, you know, the one that was in, I think, the, the Revenge of the Fallen and Dark of the Moon trailers. Um, this one, however, felt to me like it was Hans Zimmer light, like it was Diet Dark Knight. It sounded to me like it was a direct lift from the Dark Knight films, um, you know, the, the string section that with the kind of repetitive uh, rhythm or uh, melody, rather. And, yeah, I don't know. It, that did not impress me much either. Yeah, I really, really like Jablonski. And yeah, I mean, Hans Simmer too. He's done I mean, good stuff. All the people that are all in that one group, I can't remember the name. I think it's Remote Control Productions. They all have a very similar style. Um, Craig Armstrong is another one of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Gavin Greenaway is another. I like all that stuff. So, I, you know, the three Transformers um, movies before this, I have all the soundtracks because I love that main theme. This one was a disappointment. Um, I there was no hint of that main theme. Yeah, that like um, arrival to Earth theme, that like da 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 da. We've the action theme, the bump 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 bump. Yeah. Bump 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 bump. Yeah, I mean there was 
it was a totally new thing, which I respect the attempt to do something new. Like, I'll never frown upon that. But again, it, it felt like Diet Dark Knight. I mean, that's yeah. the best way I can put it. It sounded like it was another attempt at redoing it. It sounded like it was an attempt at redoing the Dark Knight score. And I, I found nothing compelling about it. And that's something that bothers me a lot about a lot of sequels, is when you take something that's already an established theme and you go against it. The yeah. X-Men movies have done that, which yep. that was actually one of the things I liked the best about Days of Future Past was they brought back mm-hmm. the um, X-Men the United theme. Yeah. And even though I don't like that they changed the Amazing Spider-Man theme from the first movie, I like the second one better. So that was so, like, change is only good if it's... If it adds something. Change for the better. Yeah. <laughs> change just for the sake of it, you know, it, it can end up being worse. Yep. So they could have changed the special effects around in this one. Um, one thing I was reading said that they made the Autobots simpler, which I think I actually kind of picked up during the movie that I could, I could tell a little bit more of what was going on, but I still just can't tell the difference. I mean, at some point, it's tough to see. You know what you've, when they all look that good, you know when they you know go into slow all of a sudden when you you know do the speed ramping, it's tough to say you know what you've spent. $20 million on or only $5 million on. Right. Because most of this movie is just explosions. It's fake. <laughs> <laughs> so the people that criticize Michael Bay and whatever about the, you know, it's just about a bunch of explosions, it's just destructions and whatever. They're, they're born out in this film. Yeah, this is this one I can't defend. Uh, this is just yeah. a movie of things going boom and houses going boom and characters. And I can't even say it, it's, you know, action in an entertaining format. You know, I enjoyed the first Transformers movie for what it is. I even enjoyed the second for what it is. This movie just left me angry. I mean, never in my life have I wanted three hours of my life back so badly. And you know what else is bothering me about the action sequences in this? And I didn't realize it until after the movie had gotten about three quarters of the way through. Um, they have all these big, massive spaceships, and the scale of them screws up the Autobots because now they don't feel like they're big and important characters. <laughs> yeah, they've got this larger, th- this literally larger threat hanging over their heads. Yeah, we're supposed to think that Chicago was this huge event because there were these spaceships blowing up buildings and stuff. And like they're you said, this film though, you said uh, Beijing or China or mm-hmm. Japan or Tokyo or whatever it was. Yeah, it was either Beijing or Hong Kong it gets totally destroyed from these spaceships that are the size of entire cities. Yeah. And I'm supposed to think that Optimus Prime looks like he's a big guy. He's a truck. Mm-hmm. You've got a, you know, a, a spaceship the size of a continent and a bunch of Autobots and Decepticons and stuff inside of that fighting each other. I've lost all sense about, of scale. We just don't care enough about the, the central... You know, if there are any emotional conflicts to give to lend any weight to that plot line, you know, maybe it would be cool if it is these tiny, you know, these big Autobots that are huge to us fighting this even huger spaceship. But there's not enough to justify that drama. You know, there's nothing that makes it more entertaining than just visual effects masturbation. And if they do Unicron in the future, mm. good lord, I don't know Unicron. Unicron is, I think, the size of a planet. Oh! So if that's where they're going with this, and we're going to have freaking planets fighting each other... I mean, that'd be amazing, but I can see where they would have difficulty. Uh, I did like one thing about the action compared to the other movies, though. And it's one of the only things I can give credit to. I did like 
hell Mark Wahlberg could fight some of the uh, Decepticons. Sure, that actually was kind of refreshing to have a human that would be able to um, lend some weight into these these struggles. Right, he has an alien weapon, so it works so against it's them. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the military they were fine trying to fight the Autobots in the first, uh, not fight the Autobots, fight the Decepticons in the first movie. But here you're fighting them with their own weapons. Yeah, that yep. okay. You know, instead of just people running all the time, was cool. Yeah. I, Other yeah. than that, though. Total miss when it comes to the action sequences. Yeah. And um, special effects music, we touched upon that. Uh, there's one other thing as far as like extras kind of go, uh, in my mind, What's that, that I wanted to bring out. And that was, I didn't notice it until this movie. But now that I thought back about the other movies and even The Island, and um, I'm pretty sure Bad Boys 2, because that's one of the only other Michael Bay movies I've seen. Michael Bay really likes the sun. <laughs> that he does. He yeah. really likes tan people in the sun and or women that are um against the sun in the sky or Yeah, like that that sunset perfect angle kind of a thing. You got a sweaty tan really tan blonde girl with pink lipstick and uh the sunset in the background and all that. I didn't notice that until this mover movie and then I could not not notice it the rest of the movie. And of course, at the very end, when everybody's, you know, oh, our house go boom, boom, and all that other kind of stuff, you've got, like, that perfect sun angle and all that. <laughs> yeah, you will never look prettier than you do in a Michael Bay movie. That right. Is, at the end of a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> so as far as, like, other uh, extra kind of stuff that's going on, cinematography and, uh, you know, background um, things going on and all that, what other stuff uh, did you want to throw out there? I mean, for me, it's all whatever. Everything in this movie is in service of making it worse than its predecessors. Um, you know, the filmmaker, or the, rather the cinematographer, I think, yeah, I, you know, I'm sure he disagreed with some of Michael Bay's choices, but Michael Bay is Michael Bay, so he gets the final say, I'm sure, in how this movie is assembled. And, yeah, I mean, I just the number of times that, you know, a car or characters in a car or characters outside the car just appear in one place and then reappear in another I, you know, it happens at least a half dozen times, and it's very frustrating to me because I know Michael Bay is better than that, or he can be rather better than that. You know, I mean, there's no way that there's no reason you should just abandon basic filmmaking technique to just it, just in the name of being cool or being quote unquote badass. It's almost like instead of having a director uh, piece these things together. Mm-hmm. It was just like, okay, here's the action sequence. Give me a lot of cool action, yep. and it's like the CGI to, will figure itself it's out. It's a real shame. Yeah, and um, So that kind of knocks all that stuff out. Um, we should do a, a little breakdown here of hit or miss. So I think that we're going we're gonna to make this an easy one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plot, hit or miss. Miss. <laughs> Writing, hit or Miss. Miss. Characters, hit or miss. Big miss. <laughs> Special effects. I mean, hit. You know, there's no denying them. Action sequences. Hit and miss because yeah, the visual, the CGI is impressive, but they're put together almost incomprehensibly, and that's the miss. Music. Miss. Cinematography. Uh, I, I I'll put that in the hit and miss category again because. Whoever, I can't remember the cinematographer's name, but not only did they have to contend with Michael Bay's wishes, but they probably had to keep their mouth shut as they were told, you know, how their shots were going to be put together. 
So hit and miss because some things are very nice. And again, you'll never look prettier than you do in a Michael Bay film. <laughs> but other bits of this are just there's no excuse for how badly they're put together. And I'm going to go a miss all across the board. Sure. Because I was so bothered by this movie by the end of it. And you just wanted it to end. I got so many people. I mean, um, for those who don't know, I mean, we've got a, quite a bit of roster uh people on the fanboys anonymous team and mm-hmm. when i sent out the feelers of who wants to see transformers or whatever most of my responses that i got back were i'm not giving that money any uh, that movie any money and by the yeah. end of this mo- uh movie i was thinking to myself they got 23 bucks out of me i yep i was <sighs> right there with you man and annoyed i had paid to see this movie never again yeah uh, they lost me I'm going to watch the other ones, but I am not going to pay for them. Uh, yeah, I, I really know, Government can come down on me and try to say I'm saying <laughs> that I'm streaming it. I'm not saying that. If a friend wants to pay for my ticket, they can do it. If they want to buy the movie and I'll borrow it off of them, they can do that. There's never no getting to shell out your own money to see one of these atrocities. No way whatsoever. I would I would have spent more money on popcorn and just sat there and ate popcorn and watched the other people watching the movie. And I would have had more fun. My, some weird looking people. The best part of this movie for me was the Coke Icy I bought at the concession stand at the entire <laughs> experience. It was very refreshing. And that was the best part of the movie. So overall, final thoughts, hit or miss for the movie. What do you think? Absolute miss. Absolute miss. And I'm definitely going with a miss there too. It makes Revenge of the Fallen look like they knew what the fuck they were doing. Yep. <laughs> so the last thing we have to do here is just uh, toss out some plugs there. Gabe, what are you working on now? Are you working on any articles? You got any other other things you want to promote going on in uh, your world? Yeah, in the next day or two, um, next couple days, there should be an article coming out from my camp about three new quote-unquote villains that will be in the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice film. Uh, They've apparently added characters that are Morgan Edge, Amanda Waller, and uh, do you remember the third villain, Tony? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember, but I remember being really excited that Morgan Edge would pop up. It was, so uh, it was an assassin that they thought... Oh, uh, David Kane. Yeah, David Kane, exactly. Um, I, I wouldn't exactly call them villains, I would call them extra characters, but they all add interesting things to how they... Uh, to the, not only Batman versus uh, the Superman mythology, but how they might try and build Justice League in the, in the future. So look for that for me in the coming couple of days. All right, guys, and remember to check out everything else that we have going on with all the podcasts and all the articles as well for FanboysAnonymous.com. Check out the other episodes of Review Point. And actually, if you like the Review Point kind of concept and you want to watch some other episodes of the group meeting that we've done that were kind of the test run of Review Point, we did some in the past for Amazing Spider-Man, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and so on and so forth. So it's basically the same kind of thing, just you know, different change of a title, a little bit change of the format. But we have other podcasts as well. We have the Dace Man Show. We've got an upcoming edition of hey. the For Real Movie Club, which is going to be dealing with patriotic movies because we are recording this on July 4th. Happy birthday, America. <laughs> We're going to be talking about The Patriot. We're going to talk about Air Force One, Invasion USA, some Chuck Norris movie, and uh, Team America World Police. <laughs> that is a great lineup. All these uh, America type of movies. <laughs> So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast beforehand, we're going to be doing that live on Mega Powers Radio on a Sunday night. 
the sixth, if that I'm, my math is correct, yes. Math! Equations! <laughs> um, Science! <laughs> and if not, you can always check out the archive version on fanboysanonymous.com as well as uh, for all the other podcasts that we've got going on that I didn't mention because I'm losing track of all them by now. Um, There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. If you are interested in joining Fanboys Anonymous, either for the podcast or for the writing team or something else like that, go ahead, send us a message. We're always looking to get everybody to stand up and share with us. That's one of our mottos because you guys are fanboys, we're fanboys, or fangirls for that matter. And uh, that's the whole point. Get the community together either to support stuff or to bitch about stuff like this movie. (laughs) Yes, indeed. So that does us in for this episode of Review Point. On behalf of everyone that couldn't be here tonight, as well as on behalf of Gabe, I am Tony Mango. Thank you for listening, shooting the breeze with us. We hope you had fun. We want to know what you think, were the hits or misses of this movie, so leave those comments be- uh, below. If you're watching this on YouTube, send us some comments on something else. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher, subscribe to us, and we will see you next time. See you later, everybody. Adios, everybody.